Alright, so today we're going to talk about biblical mentorship or mentorship from the Bible perspective. Um, we see all through the Bible that there have been relationships. We have There have been um, relationship of one leader who is mentoring another person or one um, person who is understanding a leader. Mm. And sometimes they uh, will take over from the leader or they will be assigned a certain role in the kingdom of God or... Um, the leader will assign them to a certain responsibility that they have to do. Now, a mentor is a, is a trusted person, according to the dictionary. A mentor is a trusted person, a counselor, or a guide. So a mentor is somebody who the mentee, the mentee is the person who is understanding or learning from the mentor. And then the mentee, the mentor has to be somebody that mentee trusts, and it will serve as a guide and a counselor to the mentee. Now, so mentorship is influence, guidance, or direction given to giving to a mentee or given by a mentor. So the mentor influences the mentee, gives the mentee guidance, give the mentee direction, and guide him along the way as um, they journey together, or the mentee learns from the mentor as they journey together or as they continue to be in that kind of relationship. In the Bible, we see um, that there have been several mentee and mentor relationships like Elijah and Elisha, like Elisha and Gehazi, um, like Samuel and Eli, and the Moses and Joshua, Jesus Christ and his disciples. Then we have um, Peter and john mark we have paul and john mark as well so john mark had the privilege of being mentored by both peter and paul and then we have paul and timothy so all through the bible you see that god pairs people god brings one person to another person's path to guide him and to lead him and to counsel him now, when, when Elijah was tired and was fed up and wanted to give up, when Elijah had been threatened by Jezebel and he wanted to give up, and he asked God to take his life, God led Elijah to Elisha, that anoint Elisha to be prophet in your place. And so God intentionally brought Elisha to Elijah or led Elijah to Elisha so that he would lead him so that he would learn from him and then he would take his place. And so God del deliberately bring people our way in our path, on our journey, so that these people will mentor us, so that these people will guide us and counsel us and will serve as um, people that we can trust and will serve as influence in our lives. Now, if you look at the life of the Israelite, those days where there were no books, those days where um, most of the things that were happening were not being recorded, the only way that the information passed on from gen one generation to another is that somebody had to tell one person and then another person told another person. So when you look from Genesis, those days that people had not started writing, somebody had to pass on the information from one person to, the, to another. And you know that God always uses people 
in our lives. God, when God is going to reach out to a nation, he will send a man. When God is going to reach out to a family, he will send a man. When God wants to reach out to another man, he will send a man. The Bible says that the cry of the people of Israelite had gotten to God. When you read the book of Exodus, and God wanted to bring them deliverance. And so when God wanted to bring them deliverance, he sent Moses to Israel. And so God bring men our way. And the Bible says when Jesus Christ um, uh, um, ascended up, he gave gifts to men. And so the gifts that Jesus Christ gave to men were men in, in the office of a pastor, evangelist, teacher, an apostle, and a prophet to help edify the body of God. And to prepare them for the work of the ministry. And so God uses men in our lives. And so it is important that we recognize and appreciate the play, the role that other men play in our lives. Now, a lot of people would think, would say that, oh, as for me, um, I depend on the Holy Spirit for everything that I want. If I want to read the Bible, if I want to, if I don't understand something in the Bible, I depend on the Holy Spirit. And it is good. It is very good to depend on the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's perfect to do that. But know that God has put men in our lives who will help us as well. Men that can be trusted, who can teach us. And so the Bible says he gave gifts to men. And then again, when you look at the story in the book of Acts, when the Enoch was reading, um, was reading from Isaiah and he didn't understand it. And the Bible says that the spirit of God told Philip to join himself to the chariot. And when Philip joined himself to the chariot, he saw the man was reading and he didn't understand it. So he asked the man, do you understand what you were reading? The man said, no. And then he began to explain those things to him. And so... What the first point I want to um, establish is that we have to recognize and appreciate the role that other men that God has put in our lives, the role that they play in our development. God placed them there to help us. God placed people in our lives. And of course, before you consider a mentor, you have to be um, prayerful. God sometimes deliberately lead you to people who will mentor you, who will guide you, or who you can learn from. And today, um, the various relationships that I have mentioned, that, that I'm, we're going to pick a few of them, and then we'll study some of the principles of mentorship from the people that we have, we are going to, um, the stories that we are going to pick, and the people that we are going to learn from. There, I mean, the relationships that we are going to pick today to learn from. And so one of the one of the relationships that we the first one I want us to look at from the Old Testament is the relationship between Joshua and Moses. Now Moses was a very great leader. Before his time, Israel had not seen a great leader like Moses. So Moses was such a great leader that is the Israelite had never seen before had never experienced before he was actually the first person to lead the people and god god um moses knew knew god so well god worked with moses so well so the israelite had a lot of respect for moses they couldn't conceive they couldn't even understand that there could be somebody else like moses 
And so when somebody like Joshua was going to take the place of Moses, that was a very big shoes to fill because the Israelites had a lot of respect for Moses. They, were, they had never seen a prophet or a leader like Moses. And so for Joshua to um, replace Moses was a huge tax for Joshua. But God took time through the time through the time that Joshua spent with Moses, God used that time to prepare Joshua and to shape him into the great young leader that he became, the one who led Israel to the promised land. He was able to lead Israel to the promised land because God prepared him for the tax that he was going to face. Now, the first time we hear about Joshua was in Exodus chapter 17. And the Bible says from verse 9, I'm going to read. And Moses, this was the this was when Israel was in was going for uh, was in battle with the Amalekites. The Bible says that and most verse 9, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hare went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hare supported his hands, one on one side, and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek, and his people went. I'm sorry, and, and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. And I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under the sun. Now, this was one of the times that Israel was in battle with Amalek. And the Bible says Moses instructed Joshua to prepare the men for battle. And so Moses said, I was going to stand on top of the hill and I will lift up my hands to God. Interesting. Look at the instruction Moses gave to Joshua. Go and prepare the men for battle. And I'm going to stand on top of the hill. And the Bible tells us that Joshua obeyed the instruction of Moses. First of all, we have established that mentorship is a trust relationship. Because Joshua trusted the leadership of Moses, when Moses told him, go and prepare the men for battle, you people will be in the battle and I'll be on top of the hill with my hands lifted to God. In fact, that alone, that alone was a very difficult instruction to follow. That our leader said that he was going to stand on top of the hill and I will go and take the battle. Joshua should go and take the battle. Prepare the man for the battle and then he will stand on top of the hill with his hand lifted up. It would have been easy for Joshua to say that, well, you have given me the most difficult responsibility. I am the one who is going to face the battle. You, you are just going to stand on top of the hill and lift up your hands. But I am the one who is really going to do the battle. 
that could have been a point where Joshua would have disobeyed or would have insisted that if Moses was the leader, then he should be in the battle with them. But because of the trust relationship that was between Joshua and Moses, Joshua was able to prepare the men for battle and acknowledged that, that whatever Moses was doing was going to have an influence on the battle. And the Bible lets us know that Josh, when Moses, when Moses, when the hands of Moses were up, Israelites were winning. When their hands came down, which meant that the role that Moses as the leader was playing was so significant and so important in the winning of the battle. Even though Moses was not on the ground fighting, but with his hands lifted up, that had a direct correlation with whether Israel was going to win or was going to lose the battle. And so sometimes leaders play a role that the others might see as not significant, not important, not influential. But when God sets a leader or somebody to lead people, the role they play, the spiritual role they play is so important in the victory or in the success that the people are going to enjoy. And so we see here that Joshua just obeyed the instruction that Moses gave him. He said, go and go, go down, go and, and, and prepare the people for battle and you go and I will be on the top of the hill. I'll be praying with my hands lifted up. And Joshua obeyed. And so if we want to see, uh, if you want to become good mentors of people, you want to be, become good mentees of people that we can learn from other people. One of the first things that we need from the story of um, Joshua, or one of the things that we can learn from the story of Joshua is obedience. Even though the instruction was difficult. Today we read this from the Bible and it might look like, oh, that was very easy. But Moses told him that go into the battle, I will be on top. It would have been easy for Joshua to say, look at this man, he's afraid. And he's putting me in the battle to go and fight whilst he will go up there and relax. Sometimes we might not have insight in the instructions that God has given our leaders. Sometimes we might not have insight in those instructions. But if the relationship we have with our leaders is a trusted relationship, then we, we, are, we are able to obey whatever they tell us to do. We are, obey, we are able to obey their instructions because we trust them, because we believe that God has set them as leaders before us. And so the first time we see Joshua here, is we see him as a man of war, as an obedient man of war, who is... Who, uh, who has been instructed to go to battle. And the Bible says that he went into the battle. Now, one very um, interesting thing we see here after the battle was God instructed Moses in verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out. Now, when I was, th when I was reading this and I was preparing, I, I, I find... I found it very interesting that God wanted uh, Moses to recount it, to read it, to let Joshua hear that he will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek and the heaven. Now, why was it so? I asked my, the one question I asked myself is why was it so important for Joshua to hear what God had instructed? 
And why did God specifically point out to Joshua that Joshua must hear that this is what I want to do to Amalek? It's so important and so profound. That tells you right from that moment, from the time where he was a faithful soldier, God was preparing him. God brought him into a mentorship relationship with with Moses that he will learn from Moses that he will become the next person that God was going to use to bring to pass his purpose for the nation of Israel. And so the first thing we see here about Joshua was his obedience to the instruction of Moses. Now, when we read we read Exodus chapter 24 verse 12 to 18 again, we see um Joshua again. The Bible says that then the Lord said to Moses, "Come up to me on the mountain and be there. I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandment which I have written that you may teach them." So Moses arose with his assistant. Now, Joshua has moved from being a military man, a soldier who was following instructions to the assistant, assistant of Joshua. Uh, sorry, of Moses. So verse 13 says, So Moses arose with his assistant, Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we have come back. Indeed, Aaron and Hare are with you. If, if any man has difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and the cloud covered him covered the mountain now the glory of the lord rested on mount sinai and the cloud covered it six days and on the seventh day he called out to moses out of the midst of the cloud the sight of the glory of the lord was like a consuming fire on the mountain on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of israel so moses went up into the midst of the cloud and went up to the mountain and moses was there 40 days and 49 now <clears throat> Another interesting thing we see here is that Moses, when he was going up to the mountain, the Bible says that he went there with his assistant, Joshua. Because of the obedience and the loyalty of Joshua, which we are going to talk about later, we see that Moses, Joshua had access to some of the, um, the secrets or some of the um, lifestyle, private lifestyle of Moses. Now, in the past, when the first the first chapter that we read or the first um, passage that we read, we saw that Aaron and Hare were the ones who went up with Moses, who held on Mo, uh, who held Moses' hands. But to, this time, we see that Joshua is the one who went up to the top of the mountain with with Moses. Now, it is believed that um, Joshua probably assisted um, Moses on the top. To climb the the steep mountain because uh, Moses was um, getting a little old here, and so Joshua assisted Moses. But one thing that we see here is the privilege that Joshua had because of his obedience or because of his service to Moses, because of his faithfulness, because of the service that he was. Um, Offering Moses as a man, as a mentee, he was able to have um, to enjoy part of that experience. He were, at least he went closer to the mountain than the other leaders of Israel because he 
he had, at that point had become an assistant. When you read the old King James, it says that the servant of Moses. So the next thing that we have to learn about mentorship is that mentorship is service. When God brings somebody in our life or a leader in our life to mentor us, it is a requirement for us to serve. And God, um, usually God, God trained his leaders through service. Jesus Christ, Bible says, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. So God allowed Jesus Christ to go through. Jesus Christ came down here to demonstrate to us servant leadership. That if you are going to be a leader in the kingdom of God, the best route to become a leader is to become, first of all, become a servant. And he told his disciples that the greatest among you was going to become, was the one who was going to become a servant to all of you. Now, the word servant does not sound so interesting or does not sound very nice for you to um, label yourself or call yourself as a servant. But one way or the other, irrespective of your job title, you are a servant. You are serving other people. In the world that we live in today, all of us are rendering a service to someone. So your job requires that you serve somebody. Somebody's job also requires that they serve you. And so we are here to serve one another. And that is the law. That is the path to leadership. The path to leadership is that we serve. And we do that diligently. And we do that willingly. Knowing very well that, like some, a man of God said, that is our rent. That is the rent we are paying for living here on earth. And so we are here on earth to serve one another. And so because of the faithful service of Joshua, he was able to gain access to an experience that Mo Moses was the only one who was going to, going to have that experience. Aaron and Hel, who were supposed to be um, the second or uh, the right-hand man of, of, of Moses, could not go on the top of the mountain. But Joshua went on the top of the mountain, even though he did not get to um, where um, Moses really um, had that, that encounter with God. He, was, he still went on the top of the mountain because of his service to Moses. One of the things, one of the access that mentorship or being uh, serving other people gives us is access to their private life. And it's one very important thing that as a... Um, as a minister of God, I have really come to cherish and appreciate that when leaders give you access to their private life, that is a great privilege that you don't have to take for granted. Because one of the questions that you hear people ask a lot of great leaders is, how, 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 um, how do you live your life? What are the things you do? What are the things that you do that... Um, has given you the results that you have now. It's one thing that all of it's one of the questions that we all have we all normally ask ourselves. That when we look at when we look at a successful person, definitely success did not come by chance. They they definitely might be doing something right and that's why they are where they are now. And so we are as somebody who is hungry for success, we are curious to know what they are doing right. And so through serving such people, it gives you access to the things that they are doing, to their lifestyles. For instance, for instance, because the 12 disciples 
serve, were serving with Jesus Christ. They were his associates in ministry. They had access to the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. They knew that the man woke up early in the morning to go and pray. Now, when Jesus Christ had finished preaching his sermon and people, he has um, finished telling them the parables and the people were confused and they don't understand. Because they had access to Jesus Christ through service, they will go to Jesus Christ later and say, what is the meaning of this parable? We didn't understand it. The other people who were in the, in the church service did not have that privilege to ask that question. But because of their service, they had access to Jesus Christ to ask him some of these questions. And so this is one of the things that we don't have to take for granted when we get access to the private lives of leaders. That is not the time that you go and record everything in your head and go and tell other people. But it's a privilege that God has given you to learn from those people's lives. And so when you have access to the life of leaders, one of the things that we should be curious about is to learn from them. And this is one thing that um, personally I've, I've grown to appreciate that when you have access to the life of a leader or somebody gives you access to their world, it is not a time for you to just record everything and go and comment about it to other people, but it is a, ta- a time for you to sit down, learn, take note, see the things that people are doing right. Take note of those things. Pray about it. And God, some, um, I had another man of God said that when you pray to God for wisdom, Sometimes the answers to those prayer, those prayers is that God brings somebody, God brings, God brings a relationship into your life. Your, the answer to your prayers for wisdom sometimes is a, re, a relationship. And so you are praying for wisdom in a particular area and God will bring somebody who is successful in that area. That relationship is the answer to your prayer. That is an opportunity for you to learn what those people are doing correctly in that particular area that is making them succeed. And so sometimes when we pray for wisdom, God will bring relationships our way. And when those relationships come our way, we don't have to take them for granted. We have to see those things as access to our, um, uh, sorry, answers to our prayer. Now, a very interesting thing happened in Numbers chapter 11, where God told uh, Moses that he should, put, he should select 70 people, put his spirit on them so that they will serve together with, um, with Moses. Now, there were two people who did not come in the assembly of the meet. They did not come in the meeting, even though they were part of the original selected 70. They did not come to the meeting. Um, let's read from Exodus, um, Numbers chapter 11. From verse 24, um, it's a Bible study, so it's it's okay to read a lot of scriptures. Numbers chapter 11, verse 24. So Moses went up and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same spirit upon the 70 leaders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they, that they prophesied, although they never did so again. 
But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad, and the the name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you, ze- are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the lost people were prophets, and that the Lord and that the Lord will put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp, he and the elders of Israel. So these people, uh, these two people, Eldad and Medad, they didn't come to the church service. They were supposed to be part of the service for the 70 people that God had prepared to put his spirit on, on, on these 70 people. But these two guys did not come to the service. And so they were in their tent. Wonder what they were doing in their tent. But then the spirit, because they were part of the 70 that were selected, the spirit of the Lord came upon them. And as the other 68 people were prophesying, they were also prophesying in their tent. And so a young man came to tell Moses that these two guys are also prophesying in their tent. Now, Joshua was so zealous for the, about the leadership of Moses that he wanted to stop these two people for, from prophesying. Moses, Joshua, the step that Joshua was taking was not the right step, but the motive behind the step was very good, I believe. Because of the respect and the honor that he had for the leadership of Moses, he didn't want these people who would have been seen as rebellious people because they were invited to the meeting and they did not come. So they would have been considered rebellious. He wanted to stop them from prophesying. But Moses said, no, don't stop them. Now, this revealed the zeal, the passion, and the honor that Joshua had for the leadership of Moses. Now, I believe that up to this point, Joshua would have gotten the hint that he was going to be the next leader of Israel. Because of some of the things he has been exposed to, because of some of the communication he's had with Moses, or even some of the encounters that God had with Moses that he has um, had the privilege of witnessing or seeing he will probably at this point know that he was going to be the leader the next leader of israel but yet still he respected and honored the leadership of moses that he didn't want to rise against him now it's one of the things that is um very common in um charismatic charismatic circles now and in our churches now that we see young people who have this respect for the leadership of the people that God has brought into their lives to mentor them. Or sometimes we, even we as Christians, we are tempted to be disrespectful to people, leaders that God has placed before us. And, and uh, we see that that wasn't the attitude of Mo, um, Joshua here. He had so much respect, so much zeal to preserve the legacy of Moses. He did not, he did not take any sides 
against um, people who would have been seen as rebellious people. He wanted to stop them. He didn't want them to continue to prophesy. But you see, Moses, as an experienced leader and a man whom the Spirit of God rests on, knew that, listen, he said, I wish that all the people of God were prophets and that all the people will prophesy. And so even though Joshua was wrong at this point, this is where the importance and the role of mentorship or experienced leaders come in. Because Joe, uh, Moses was an experienced leader, he knew that there was no need to stop these people from prophesying. At this point, I believe Joshua, being a young man who is full of zeal to defend his leader and to defend his mentor, was wanted to stop the guys. But Moses, the experienced leader, the experienced mentor said, allow them because it is my desire how i wish that all of you that all the people of israel were prophets and that all the people of israel were prophesying and so joshua was wrong at this point but moses again offered him counsel gave him wisdom and demonstrated to uh, um, demonstrated to him the need to allow um, these other people to also develop whatever gifts that God has given them. And so one thing that we can learn from jo the relationship that Joshua had with Moses from this story is that Joshua was serious for the leadership, for the success of his leader, his mentor, um, Moses. Many a times people cannot wait to take the stage. People cannot wait to be the next to be the, the 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 star people cannot wait to be to take the place of the leader but we see moses um joshua here that he had no disrespect for the leadership of moses he was zealous for the legacy of moses to stand that he didn't want anything that would be seen or anybody that would be seen as rebellious to to um to to harm um to Anyone who, who will be seen as, he didn't want them to progress. He didn't want them to, um, to make a name or even excel in their rebellion. But Moses, again, offered um, advice to Joshua. So one of the benefits that we also get from, from mentorship is to have godly counsel, godly leadership. So from the story of Joshua and Moses, one, the first thing we learn is that Joshua was obedient to the instructions of Moses. Joshua served Moses. Joshua was faithful and loyal to the leadership of Moses. Joshua did not disrespect the leadership of Moses. He was zealous to see Moses excel. And that is very, very important. And we see this, we see a similar thing between Elijah and Elisha. When Elijah and Elisha, um, Elijah, Elijah called Elisha, asked him to stop whatever he was doing to follow him. He was obedient. At that point, he just um, collapsed his business. He, he liquidated his business, filed for bankruptcy, and decided to follow um, Elijah. Because I believe God has spoken to him as well, and he knew his calling. And so when Elijah approached approach Elisha, when he was taking care of the, um, the, the cattle, he just closed the business down and began to follow him. He followed him faithfully. The Bible tells us that all that Elijah, uh, Elisha was doing was to pour water on the hands of um, 
Elijah. And at the end of the day, he was the one who inherited the leadership or who took over the leadership of um, Elisha. Now, the unfortunate thing we learn about, I'm going to touch on these two sides. The unfortunate thing we learn about the leadership between Elisha and Gehazi is that even Gehazi was an unfaithful mentee. Even though he had a wonderful, he, he had a privileged position being, um, then being the closest assistant to Elisha, maybe he was going to inherit a double portion of the anointing on Elisha if he had remained faithful. Then maybe also, if Elisha has been more uh, um, graceful or had extended grace to Gehazi, Maybe Gehazi's kingdom, um, Gehazi's ministry would not have been cut short. But um, Elisha. Um, um, Elisha um, rebuked Gehazi. Can you feel that he's calling now? Uh, Mr. Joe, we can hear you. Mr. Effort, we can hear you. Can you mute yourself, please? So, um, Elisha commanded leprosy to come upon Gehazi because Gehazi uh, was greedy and went after the gains from um, Naaman when his, his, his master had said that he wasn't going to take anything from Naaman. But then I believe that maybe, just maybe, if Elisha had been just gracious to Gehazi, maybe Gehazi would have been would have succeeded in ministry. And here, so we see that um, um, the mentee made a wrong choice. The mentor also um, did not give him a second chance. Did not give him a second chance. So we see again. This also happened in the New Testament, and I'm, I'm, I, uh, we are going to read that as well. Um, before we we end today um so the mentee made a mistake the mentor did not give him a second chance but we see again the saw uh, the relation between Saul and David when God took David into the palace that David will learn from Saul we saw that David was was doing all that he can as a mentee to learn but then Saul envied him Saul did not give him uh, the needed um, guidance and the needed um, opportunity to learn. Now, usually when we talk about mentorship or we talk about the relationship between the mentee and the mentor, we um, we put a lot of responsibility on the mentee. And of course, it's understandable. But then there is also um, a responsibility of accountability on the part of the mentor, the one who is leading the uh, on the mentee there is a responsibility of accountability as well there is a responsibility to leave the people um and also to acknowledge when you are wrong and so obviously um we would not say that the men the mentor is always right even though the mentee is learning from the mentor when when any of any of them could be wrong and they will have to apologize but um and and they will have to um take the necessary steps to make amends. But as the people who are, um, as a mentee or the one who is learning from somebody, first of all, this relationship must be 
one that God has led you into. And if you know that God has led you into the relationship, then every decision you take must be must be out of the spirit or be led by the spirit. Now, the Bible has told us to how we can identify the works of the flesh. Now, anytime I read Galatians and the Bible talks about the work of the flesh, when I see the ones that relate with our emotions, the ones that touches on our emotions, I'm very much particular about those ones. Anger, hatred, um, jealousy, all those things. Bible says they are the works of the flesh. So if your relationship with anyone at all, not even a mentor, but anyone at all, and you see that you are exhibiting some of these traits or the decision you are taking is coming out of some of these traits, then you know that you are acting in the flesh. The Bible has given you instruction already concerning things like this. And so if your response to somebody is anger, when you are angry and you respond to somebody, the Bible has given you, Bible has told you from Galatians that it's an act of the flesh. You don't have to even, uh, you don't need a prophet to tell you that. You don't even need, um, at this point, the Holy Spirit has already revealed this in scriptures. That anger, jealousy, rage, all those things, the Bible says that they are the acts of the flesh. And so if your actions are out of some of these emotions, then you know you are acting in the flesh. And so when we are in the, when we are in relationship with other people, we must consider some of these things. That our actions will not be out of the flesh. As soon as we identify that our reactions or our actions are out of the flesh, some of the things that have been listed in Galatians chapter 5, then we quickly have to correct ourselves. So sometimes when we relate to people who are our mentors or even our mentees, our actions could be out of the flesh. Out of anger, we can respond to people, even sometimes to our kids. Out of anger, we can punish them. Out of anger, we can hit them. Those things the Bible has called the acts of the flesh. And so we should be able to identify how our actions or our reactions should be stemmed and rooted in the word of God and in the spirit, not out of um, carnality or out of the flesh. Again, we see Samuel and Eli. When Samuel had the voice of God, he needed Eli to guide him, the experienced uh, um, pro, um, um priest to guide him to help him identify the voice of god god spoke to him god called him he was the one god was calling but he did not despise his father or his mentor who led him to be able to uncover what the voice of the lord is again to my to the point i made earlier that god places men in our lives and sometimes those men are the ones who will help us to even uncover our ministry and discover the voice of God. So men play a very significant role in our lives as we pursue um, the purpose that God has called us to. Now, I want us to come to um, the New Testament and look at the relationship Maybe we'll touch, we have 15 minutes, so we'll touch on the relationship between Jesus and the disciples last. But I want us to look at John Mark. John Mark is a very interesting character in the Bible. Um, John Mark is the one who wrote the book of Mark. Now, the Bible tells us um, that, I mean, um, scholars say that 
John Mark might not be a witness to some of the things that he wrote in the book of Mark, but it was Peter's account of um, the ministry of Jesus Christ that was written by John Mark. And so in my introduction, I mentioned that John Mark was a mentee of Peter and he was a mentee of Paul as well at, at, at some point. So um, this is the John Mark we are going to talk about in Acts chapter 12 from verse 25. I'm going to read from verse Verse 25. Right. I think I wanted to read verse 13, but I wanted to read the uh, chapter 13, but I want to read the last verse of 12 before I go into chapter 13. So the Bible says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, chapter 13, the Bible says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, many who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on on them they sent them away so being so being sent out by the holy spirit they went down to Cilicius, and from there they sailed to cyprus and when they arrived in salems they preached the word of god in the synagogue of the jews they also had john as the assistant now, this John Mark that we are talking about, the Bible tells us that um, when, uh, when Paul and Barnabas went to a place to preach, this John Mark was with them as an assistant. He was with them on their missionary journey and was traveling with them on the journey. But unfortunately, when you get to verse 13, the Bible says, when Paul and his party set to sail for Paphos, Paphos, they came to Pega in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. So John Mark, who was traveling with Paul and Barnabas on their journey, on their first missionary journey, when they got to Pamphylia, John Mark decided that he was going to return to Jerusalem. And so this was a mentee, somebody who was learning from Paul, learning from Barnabas, been on the missionary journey, seeing firsthand what these men were doing. But when they got to a place, Mark decided that he was going to return to Jerusalem. And so he left them on the missionary journey and went back. Now, there have been a lot of speculation about why uh, Mark left. Some people say that um, he wasn't happy that um, they, were, they were preaching to the Jews. Uh, I'm sorry, they were preaching to the, the, the Gentiles. But all those things were not mentioned in the Bible. All the Bible told us is that Mark decided that he was going back to Jerusalem. So he left Barnabas and, and Paul on the missionary field and left and went to Jerusalem. And so we see again in verse in chapter 15 that um, Barnabas and, and Paul are, are, are going to set out on another journey. Now, John Mark is the cousin of Barnabas. 
And so from verse 36 of chapter 15, the Bible tells us that Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and, seen how, and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that he should not take, he should not take with them one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had, go, had not gone with them to the work. And so Barnabas wanted to take his cousin with them. But Paul said, no, this guy left us on the first missionary journey. We cannot trust him. So we cannot travel with him on this other journey. And so let's leave him behind. But, and Paul also went, Paul wanted to take Silas instead. Barnabas insisted that they had to take um, John Mark with them. And so at this point, Paul and Barnabas had to separate. And, and go their separate ways. Now, sometimes there will be this, this disagreement, but whatever happens in our relationship as believers, we should um, use that for the furtherance of the gospel. If we believe and understand that whatever we are doing is for the furtherance of the kingdom of God, is for the benefit and the glory of Jesus Christ, then those things, we should just see those things as ways that God can use to expand the kingdom. And so, John... Paul decided that they were not going to take John Mark with them. But because he had left them earlier in the first journey. But when you read um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, now we see that Paul had changed his mind about John Mark and is wishing that John Mark would be um, around to help him in his ministry. So when you read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. A few years ago, Paul didn't want to travel with Mark because Mark had um, deserted them when they got to a place on their first missionary journey. But now Paul said that he had only Luke with him and therefore he is instructing Timothy to bring John Mark with him because John Mark is useful for him in ministry. And so we see um, Paul giving Mark another chance. Even though Mark was no useful for them when they were on their first missionary journey. Now Mark has become useful. From this relationship, from this um, story between Mark and Paul, we can learn not to write off people, but to give people another chance. People might hurt you. As a mentor, people might hurt you. People might betray you. Because when you are traveling with somebody, we all acknowledge how difficult it is to be on a missionary journey, to be in a land that is foreign, just trying to share the gospel. You see, when, when you're in a foreign land when you, and you are around familiar people, you feel better. I mean, you feel better than when you're around, every, when everybody around you is somebody you don't know. And so... Mark's presence was needed so much by Paul on that journey. But Mark deserted them and went back to Jerusalem. And so the second time, Paul didn't want to travel with Mark. But now, Paul has given Mark another opportunity. And so we have to learn to give people another chance. No matter how many times they have offended us, 
as people who are leading other people, as people that God has put us in leadership position to mentor other people, we must have a heart that forgive them, that will forgive them and that will draw them back to us even when they offend us. Because now, some years ago, Mark was not useful in the ministry. But now Paul is saying that Mark is useful in the ministry. And so when we one lesson on mentorship we can learn is that when God places people in our lives for us to lead and to mentor them, sometimes they might hurt us, but we should find a place in our heart to give them another chance just for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of um, the ministry. Paul had a similar relationship with Timothy, but Pastor Jessica is going to um, expound on that for us later. And so we should, um, even though um, people offend us, we should find a place in our heart to forgive them and give them another opportunity. Now, when you read First Peter chapter 5, verse 13, Peter talks about Mark again here. He says that, I mean, let me read from verse the beginning. It says, She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greet you. And so does Mark, my son. Now, Peter is calling Mark his son. This Mark, who some time ago was not useful in the ministry, has become a son to Peter. So he wasn't the biological son of Peter, but he has become Peter's son in ministry. And so Peter also had the chance to mentor John Mark. And so Mark, finally, we see Mark writing the book of Mark. And when you read the account of Mark, you can see the number of miracles that are recorded in Mark. The number of the encounters that Jesus Christ had with demons that is recorded in the book of Mark. Mark wrote a very wonderful gospel. But at some point in his life, he wasn't always useful. But at some point in his life, because somebody gave him another chance, because somebody made him a son, mentored him, shaped him, he became useful and very important for the kingdom. And he was able to write one of the Gospels that we read today and learn because somebody gave him another chance. So in our lives, we see Paul sometimes, when you read the book of Acts, you see Paul sometimes picking somebody out just to mentor the person. It happened in the case of Timothy, where Paul picked out Timothy to mentor him. Paul picked out Silas to mentor him. So he chose this young man and decided to, to mentor them and to guide them. And so sometimes in our Christian life, we should prayerfully also consider who we can touch, somebody's life that we can touch, somebody that God can use us to mentor, somebody that God can use us to bless. And we should look for such people and pour into their lives. And then us again, we should also prayerfully consider somebody that we can connect with and learn for his leadership, for his guidance, for his mentorship. Now, in the world that we live in, we, people, we can read books of people, um, have, uh, um, how do you call it, fellowship with the people that we are, um, whose books we are learning and whose books we are reading. God can lead us in those ways for us to learn from other people. But then again, God places others in our lives who are going to be mentors and who are going to guide us. Like I said earlier, sometimes the answers to your prayer for wisdom is a relationship. And so let's honor the relationships that God brings our way. Let's honor the people that God brings our way. 
that we can learn from when we have access to the private life of other people that is not the time to record what they are doing and go and gossip about it but that is the time to learn from them when somebody is successful in a certain field and we have access to their lives it's an opportunity for us to learn from them and to know how and what what things they are doing right so that we can replicate those things in our lives or in our ministry or whatever aspect of our lives that um we are praying to God for wisdom about amen um 7:58 i don't know if there are any questions we can take questions now all contributions as well are welcomed <laughs> 